so excited today. And me, Fashion Cox, we sure are. We continue to uplift Black Women Plus, making it in the entertainment industry. And today we have Miss Dominique Uloa, who rose from being employee number two in the post-production office of Oprah Winfrey Network. She went on to become a Peabody Award-winning documentary editor. She worked on the explosive Lifetime documentary, Surviving R. Kelly, and she was a contributing editor for the upcoming feature documentary films by the folks that made Minding the Gap and The Great Hack. She has also worked on several other nonfiction and documentary projects across TV, film, and digital. Now, she is currently an artist in residence in documentary editing at Concordia Studio, which is a nonfiction studio founded by an Inconvenient Truth director, <gasps> Davis Guggenheim, wow. and was named as a Karen Schmier Film Editing Fellow in 2020. Whoop, Dominique! Yes, hi! So Welcome. great to have you on the Sister Brunch. That, sounds, that sounded great. Yeah, you Because <laughs> you, you are great. <laughs> Thank and you. So yes. to have you. So good. Thank so you. Good. So glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. So we like to start this podcast by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about where they started and how they got to where they are now. So take wow. us on that journey. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That is a hell of a ride. Okay. So um, it was 2006. I had a six-year-old and a two-year-old. Wow. And I decided I was going to go back to school and finish my degree. I went to Cal State LA. Um, where I connected with fashion and our late great friend, Dr. Kelly Madison. Yes. And um, majored in radio, television, film there. In my senior year, I entered Cal State LA's Film Festival and won for Best Documentary and Best Experimental Editing. Wow. And so through that, thank you, and through that um, Best Documentary Editing project that I made, I got hired in my senior year to start editing for the paparazzi. And so my senior year, Cal State LA, I was making $25 an hour. You couldn't tell me nothing. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Wait, like, wait you Dominique, the... back up. Huh? What do you mean for the paparazzi? Yeah, what is that? What am I for missing? the paparazzi. So I worked for a company called X17, and they're a photo agency. They supplied photos and videos of celebrity at that time, New Year 2008. So that's when Britney Spears was shaving her head. Oh, and, yeah. You know, okay. they were going all the Kevin Federline stuff and all that drama. So I actually knew the photographer who videotaped her shaving her head and her hair hitting the umbrella against his car but the thing about that is is that she opened the blinds so the photographers could get the shot yeah, yeah. and she could have easily okay. closed the blinds and nobody okay. would have seen that yeah, yeah. but she made sure the blinds was open so they the cameras could get the angle to see her shaving her head and like here's the thing with celebrities if they don't want to be seen they don't have to be seen right, right. they you never see tom hanks you don't right. want to be seen right, right. you know there's there's yeah. people that, and, and if they have a new album coming out you know pre-covid yeah. and you suddenly see them suddenly suddenly what. suddenly you're having lunch at the ivy on the patio <laughs> you know? so, so yeah. what exactly were you doing for them dominate like i was i was an editor i was a night shift editor and i was uh it was my senior year so mm -hmm. i went to school all day and then um, I went to from four to like one o'clock in the morning. And I worked as an editor and I did wow. that every day with two kids. That's where people are like, we'll give you $10,000 if you send us video of uh, yeah. so-and-so walk. Mm -hmm. And then you would take that video and edit it down. They would follow people around like, okay, oh, Britney okay. Spears went to CVS, Starbucks. <laughs> 
and the gas station today. Yeah. And so they bring it to me and then I would just trim the fat and get the shots or whatever. And then mm. we send a mass mail out to uh, Good Morning America. Oh my uh, God. Da 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 da. And they would, they're, it's like AP. Like yeah. they're buying mm-hmm. the photos from the photogs. Oh wow. So okay. like, oh, we got Misha Borden and her first experience, her first appearance is the baby. Yeah, and, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm glad you use the word, uh, the phrase trim the fat in this because you do that a lot as an editor, right? And especially assistant editor. That's basically what you do when you start, right? My whole job. Like yeah. that is yeah. not kind of what I do. It's That's what, exactly what okay. All still, <laughs> I'm a right. fat trimmer. Yeah. Um, so from there, from the paparazzi, I like went back here and there. Um, you know, I was still, you know, wanting to be in development and thought like I would do like more development route, more or corporate route. What happened was is that through a temp agency, I got hired at the Oprah Winfrey Network, and mm. I was only supposed to be there as somebody who who, who did the QC of the videos of Oprah's contest and that Oprah's Next New Star yeah. for the launch of her network. Okay. And so everybody sent in these videos, so I'm just there to QC. And QC will say is quality control. Quality control. Right. Mm-hmm. So make sure there's no cussing, there's no right, labels, right. there's mm-hmm. no Coke bottles, there's mm-hmm. no things that they, they're just making it good for air. Right. So I'm going through all these videos and like, you know, seeing the ones that's going forward, rejecting the thing. And I was like one of 30 temps. At the end of that week, I was in charge of all the temps. And then from there, I parlayed that into working as an assistant editor on one of their, uh, on the show that they eventually made about it. And then they would bring me back to be, you know, an assistant in their development department. Mm. And then, you know, they just like Open Winfrey Network kept retaining me. So, um, you know, I kept beginning, getting carried over, carried over. The Open Winfrey Network was keeping me. And then I was working as an assistant editor for this, this show. And then one day I saw the budget. And the editor that I was working under was making $700 a day. Mm. And then from that day forward, I was like, I'm an editor. Call me editor. <laughs> that's ahead. what I yes, do. Yes, yes. That's my career. That's my call me editor. Everyone, that's my name now. I'm an yes. editor. Hey, y'all, you're listening to Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and Fanchon Cox. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon, and we are back with Dominique Uloa. I got hired as staff as employee number two of post-production operations at the Open Winfrey Networks. So that meant like all their promos and all their shows and like yes. the episodes would come in from production companies and we'd like get it ready to go to the satellite and like the operations part, the very technical part of, yeah. of, of the network. So yes. I was a part of that. And then I, I flim flammed in networks for a while, worked for the Africa channel for a minute. Then I got end up getting laid off. Oh. And so that plunged me into freelance. Ah, and okay. so from there I went to assistant editing at World of Wonder um mm. for a while. And that's RuPaul's drag race. That, did you do uh, RuPaul's yeah. drag race? Yes, RuPaul's Ooh, drag race. Like so I, I was an, an assistant. Oh. This is like season three, like an assistant. I, I was I was an assistant all dedicated to that show. Oh, okay. I was doing million dollar listing like oh, yeah. uh, million dollar listing Miami. 
and Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles a little bit, and then Big Frida. Oh, um, they cool. made Big Frida, so the the Queen of Bounce. So yeah. I was working on that show. So I was working on like just a lot of different shows there, and it, it's a it's a reality show factory. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like you work the night shift. You know. Wait, how day. did you do that with kids? Uh, that's a great question <laughs> because uh, <laughs> at the time my son was thirteen. And um, my daughter was, what, nine? And there was a period of time where I had to leave them at home alone. Wow. Yeah. And I yeah. would I would come home on my lunch break. My lunch break would be like 11 o'clock, midnight. Wow. And I would run home and make sure everything was okay. And yeah. then, you know, I'm, I'd have dinner for them before yeah. I left. You know, my son slept on the couch with a BB gun a lot. Oh. <laughs> he became, oh, like, really the man of the house. Yeah. And um, I would check on them. And then, you know, I, and then i come home. And wow. then, you know, my, uh, you know, my mom uh, or their dad would take them to school in the morning. Because, you know, they, I couldn't get back up at 7. Um, and I would just tell them, you know, make sure, you know, you don't leave without kissing me goodbye. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, but don't wake me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so man. I went through that for a while and then just started freelancing, you know, going on different shows and honing my craft and getting my chops. I just want to mention that's a that's an important point for people who are interested in editing or or post production that a lot of times as you're getting started you're probably going to be working these late hours because yeah. the footage comes in at the end of the day. Yeah. And you're the one that's quote trimming the fat all night so that they can be ready yeah. ready in the morning and see mm-hmm. most in tradition pre-covid most production companies they have their post-production in-house and there's only so many edit bays yeah so in the daytime you have 10 edit bays you have 10 editors working and then the nighttime you have the night shift come in and get them ready for the next day yeah so that's usually you know they film you process it you make all your multi-groups you do the sound you do all this other kind of stuff and then you um, get it ready for the editors. You know, you do string out so they can start editing all day or whatever. And they usually have like one day person that's there in the day to help. Mm-hmm. But there's a staff that comes in at night. for like That's more for like your production companies that do a lot of unscripted. I uh, freelance assistant editors for a while. And then I got to affirm and pray and meditate my way into the edit chair. And it was really like one of those things that, you know, was just, I really, people ask me all the time, like, how did you do it? Because there's, to get, to be, get the bump to editor is a lot. And especially as a woman and especially as a woman of color. Because all these, all these white boys don't know, they think you don't know what you're doing. And they don't take you seriously. It's hard to elevate in the post-production world when you don't like Star Wars and you don't play beer pong. Plus you're the only one in the room. When you're the only one in the room. And And, and, you know, you're not getting invited to happy hour. You're not going to lunch with them. You're not, you know, they're not including you. You're just there to do your job and leave. And they're looking at, you know, pre-George Floyd, you really had to show and prove yourself as an editor. Mm. And so I was blessed to have this opportunity actually like I, I had just got um, uh, laid off from a job that I thought that was going to go on for like a couple months and ended up being like, you know, they cut my assignment short by like two months. And Ouch. so, yeah. And so like I like was going to church and I went yeah. to like go to Bible study. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, he worked at a production company and he was like, I know for a fact they're looking for editors. Yeah. And through that connection. Um, I was able to go into the editing chair, but like all the wow. time that I was assistant editor, I would write on post-it notes, I'm an editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm an editor. I'm successful. Yes. I'm like, so I always had these affirmations for years mm. before I actually got the opportunity to edit. 
And then that happened. And then I started working on court TV, doing a whole, like your judge Maybelline, your judge mm-hmm. Alex, your mm-hmm. judge Christina, doing Da-da. all that stuff. Da-da. But Da-da. listen, that's a ma- listen, that's a master class in story because you have yeah. two legal cases that you have to tell in 42 minutes. Yeah. That's, one is three acts. The other one is two acts. They all have points to story beats that they have to make. And you have to do it in like five acts. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with documentary editor Dominique Uloa. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Anya and we're back with Dominique Uloa. When I did my internship while I was at Cal State LA, I learned so much about all the mistakes I had made as an actor, you know, over the years by editing other people's work. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. it also, then it reinforces your storytelling skills Mm because you get just a load of stuff and you're the person who puts it all together. Yeah. I always think about it as a way, like somebody gives you like a mound of clay yeah, yes. and it's your job to make something out of it. Yeah, like, especially in reality, where it's like you're fabricating it's a story nothing. out of. I always say, editors are writers. We just write with pictures. Yeah, that's a skill that you learn. Have to learn how to do. You have to know like when to let it breathe. Yeah, when it you know the comedic timing, the the score, the feeling, you know, all of those things are all you know the how to stay on the moment. Oftentimes, like I haven't done it yet, but this is my plan coming up is to take these the classes for directors for actors. Yeah, because that learning about performance. Yeah, like from a director standpoint, because that's going to help in the editing bay to learn like the performance aspect of it, and you know to really like pay attention to you know when when to go with the emotion. When to fall back, the breathing of the scene. Yeah. So it is a lot of that. It's it's storytelling. And let me tell you something. This is for all my people in post-production. Everybody's goal is as an assistant editor is to become an editor. Most Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Some people like assistant editing because you get paid a lot of money and you just generally get left the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but becoming an editor is a huge feat in itself but it's not getting your first job it's getting your second job Word. Okay. because now you're competing with people who've been doing this for 30 years yeah. right. and you got one credit you've done one thing yeah like and so now you're playing in a whole different ball game yeah and that was really difficult for me that yeah. was extremely difficult to make that transition so i did a lot of digital i did some nonprofit stuff mm-hmm. you know i was doing you know just Trying to make my way, and then um, I was able to land a job during the 2018 Winter Olympics. Oh wow! And what happened with that was is that it was Christmas time, and you know Christmas time December is slow in the industry, and so the Winter Olympics coming along, and I got hired as an assistant editor. And then my post supervisor said, "Listen, I know you're overqualified for this. Mm-hmm. I know you know, but." Can you just come on as an assistant because we need somebody with your experience? Yeah, mm. and it's Christmas time, so I'm like, yeah, 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 like I'll take it. Yeah, I need like we we want some Christmas trees. Yeah, so, yes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I went on, and I was just bored to death. Yeah. And so what I did was I took a bunch of archive footage, and I cut a crowd promo, and I I showed it to my post supervisor. 
And she was like, you know, this is super cute. Yeah. Here's some scripts. Now you're now you're an editor. Go ahead. And so I was able, yes. thank you. I was able to parlay that into becoming an editor. Yes. And so my packages, like I started getting packages at that point. And yeah. so like mm-hmm. I was doing both. I was still in charge of assistant editing, still in charge of operations. But then I was also editing packages as well. Wow. They wasn't paying me more though. No, of course not. They went, you know, they were like, you can have the title. Dominique, I want to, I mean, like this is a good segue into what the kind of challenges you might have because you are the storyteller and yet you are also beholden to the director right and you know to all the other all the other folks working on the mm-hmm. project so have you noticed challenges in working with directors who don't take your thoughts or your choices um for cuts seriously because of you know um, or, well yeah. in general whenever i get something i always do my vision first but this is my vision. This is okay. how I see it. This, okay. Let me get the art out. Yeah. Like, this is this is how I see it. Right. After I show you that first presentation, whatever you do now is just a paycheck. Like, okay, okay now I said what I had to say. You like it. You don't like it. My feelings are out. Let's now, now tell me what to do. And then sure. from there, it's like, now it's in the director's hands. Like, if you make it shitty, I made it good first. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. in my opinion... But, and then there's also the, 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 you know, um, wait a minute, wait a minute as a director, (laughs) as a director, uh I'm going to call you on that because I think that's kind of bullshit. And I, as a director, really like my relationship with editors because I feel like it's a collaborative experience. So even though you're giving me your vision, I think together we make. Like, I like to collaborate in the edit base. So I feel like you you create the base and then as a team, we move forward, right? When I say that, it's exactly that. It's yeah. creating the base. You're making yeah. the skeleton. Yeah. You're making like the, you know, the room. Yeah. Essentially. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so. And, and it so, is collaborative because it's the director's work that you're cutting together. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like in your first cut. But sometimes for people that don't edit, yeah, you'll get a paper cut that's. 30 minutes over, yeah. you know, what right. the yeah, 10 minutes yeah, supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so that, that in that case, you have to make editorial decisions. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I think that's the importance of the editors to watch everything. Yeah. Like, that's my first step. When I get into, when I get into an edit and I, I, I start on a project, first thing I do is I read the transcripts. Because if there's an interview, I want to know what they said on paper. Yeah. yeah. So that, because there are things when you're listening in conversation that you might not check, that you not might not pick up on, that that may have more gravitas when you're reading. Yeah. Right? When you go yeah. back and read people's words. Yep. Yeah. So I like to go through the transcripts. Then I like to watch everything. Yeah. And then after I watch everything, I present what I think is what I think what it is. Unless there's explain? something like, unless there's some like, structured scripts because there sure. that is that sometimes you know yeah. like you come in and everything's already strung out i've already made my selects here's what it is da 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 da, da. then i'm like oh shit okay Just you good it. to go like yeah. then, all right here it is you know but if it's like here's the here's the pilot yeah you know like or here's the here's the here's the project tell me what you think yeah i'm gonna tell you what i think also what a lot of directors do i find is that they're there they sh- they shoot but they don't watch everything back themselves. Right. They don't watch it until the mm-hmm. edit. Yeah. And then see those, the, what you saw on, with your eyes and what comes out on camera may be two different things. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, um, that is true. You know, that is so true. You know, you may think a moment is there, but it may not translate on camera yeah. or something that does translate on camera. You didn't even pick up in the interview. 
you didn't pick up in that scene because right. it was like until you saw it back like whoa um yeah. so you you do that but then you know at the end of the day it is the, it's the director's project right mm. but mm-hmm. i also think like you guys see like as a director i'm also like oh my God, it was a day that we had like five minutes left and I need to get this last little piece or like, oh, we tried for like five hours and I came out and I like, you know, I, you think you got it. And then that, that's what I love about editors is then you guys get all this footage. You have no emotional connection to it. Yes. None, only none. the property. So you can make that like very like, you can, you can craft a piece um, yeah. and show the director and they can be like oh fuck oh this is gr- great or oh my god you know in right. the moment there i missed yep. this right. you know what i mean like they that's got, so awesome that uh is shout out to janine daniels is one of my favorite directors to work with and yeah. we were and back in the day we were working on the webisode for black and sexy tv and she would just dump this footage off on me <laughs> oh my god and <laughs> i would have to go through everything and make a 30 minute episode on the weekend when i was working midnights at world of wonder and so i was turning these around but uh, one thing that she always said is that I always took the takes that she hated and made them work. I would say she was like, I hated that take, but I really love the way you did it. Or I like the way, you know, like, and and I always got her story. Like she really, you know, her story, the way it may not have come out, edited how she envisioned it, but the story was told how she wanted it. Yeah. And that's a separate skill set. Yeah. You know, in editing, that's a separate story, story and technical editing. Anybody could put together an edit for you. It takes another skill set to put out a story. Yes. So, um, and that takes a lot of, you know, creative decisions. I think it's it's instinct, you know, and I think, you know, black people are especially like, I think that are attuned to that for the fact that we just have the instinct of timing. Yeah. And humor and wit Mm. and, you know, Mm. catching things that, you know, that essence. Hey, it's Fanchon, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back to our conversation with award-winning documentary editor, Dominique Uloa. Let's talk about surviving R. Kelly. What was it like? Like, yeah. Oh boy, that was, I mean, that was just just a very intense experience. The process was, it was six episodes and it was six hours long and I was on a staff of 20 editors. And it was the most black women I've ever worked with in my wow. life. Like that, we had, I think it was like five black female editors. It was a tumultuous time because the editing of R. Kelly went on as A, the story was happening in real time. His girlfriends were still posting videos to Facebook saying that they were okay and people mm. was looking for them in hotels. And that's a, it was 54 interviews and 30 years of archival. So talk about masterclass and story. Yeah. You have so many moving parts and then you have to take it into consideration. What is emotion? What's fact and what's slander? Yeah. Cause if you go into slander, yeah. Yeah. You're going to discredit all the people who just poured their hearts out yes. and told their story. And one thing I have to say about that is just, you know, if you have a woman from 1994 and you have a woman from 2017 and they're different ages and they live in different cities, 
and they never met each other, but they have the exact same story. Mm. They're not lying. Yeah. They're not lying. It was a time when the Bill Cosby trial was going on. Yeah. And the the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. Uh So my world was just full of just sexual assault everywhere. So every day was kind of like a cow gone take me away moment. Mm. All this. You're just like, uh, you're hearing these crazy stories. And and a lot of it we couldn't even show on television. Mm. Because it would make it X-rated. Wow. Like there's details that we just couldn't put out there but Mm. this man was horrible how do you feel like the story that you guys told with the the stable of like amazing black women what was that working environment like we really told the line and at the time i was editing surviving r kelly my daughter was 14 wow Mm. So I'm telling this story from a first-hand perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm telling it from my mother. And the other, shout-out to LaRonda Morris, who did episode six, an amazing episode, and, like, the closing one. She's a mother. Yeah. You know? Mm. And so the backstory of Surviving R. Kelly is that when they initially did it, they had a staff of all black editors. And those editors quit because the showrunner was there and he was this white guy and he just you know oh. didn't really know r kelly okay and didn't really know the significance of it and really okay. tried to like romanticize him at first oh, right and right. so and then the, and then the editors all quit they quit wow they quit in protests and yeah shout out to the all the editors the first round of editors because wow it, that project wouldn't have been what it was mm. without them wow and so that forced buna murray's hand to hire a new showrunner okay fire that guy and then fill up with black women that gives me the chills because that's insane can i just ask in this kind of sequence you each get to edit an episode is there a director for the overhaul kind of like series and then you guys yeah create the the, the, the main the main director and the showrunner and everyone was dream hampton or dream and so she yeah dream hampton so she's she's overall creative and so she's the one on set with the interviews but there's still a a bevy of assistant editors sure Mm -hmm. that that it goes to the showrunner goes to the ep um, it goes to post supervisor and it goes to um, story producers. Shout okay. out to the story producers, yeah, because they're 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 keeping track of their, of, of how everything is going, yeah. And so with each episode, we're working with our own story producer, okay. and the showrunner, okay, because um, it's already been directed, yeah. right? It's yeah. already like it's already in the field, and all these interviews and everything's done. Now the showrunner, the e- the EP, and the story producers are now making this six hour yeah you know docuseries yeah um and so like that was a lot of moving parts but then there was there was you know again we had the slander situation where mm-hmm. right. actually I, I actually got into a lot of trouble at Buna Murray uh kind of like a who do you think you are moment when I was like look you know we we can't say this because it's even though this person has been hurt by R. Kelly it's irrelevant you know, we don't know, like, we don't want to know how she feels about him. She need, we need to know what happened. Yeah, right. Right. And right, right. so I, you know, I got a little backlash, like, um, who do you think you are? Oh, wow. But they did end up taking out those There you scenes. go. Yeah. You don't regret it. Cause like, you yeah. know, not at too, all. Right. Yeah. Not at yeah. all. And, you know, like opinions and hearsay really. You can't include them. You have to, if you have they're to not pushing, if, if they're not pushing the story forward. It's just filler. Right. Right. And so we had to really make that distinction. Like, is this pushing the story forward or is mm. this just slander? Mm. Right. And shout out to Astro Finney. 
Asha Monique Finney, it was one of the, the main story producers of Surviving R. Kelly. She had to really tell the line with a lot of executives and writers there who just wanted to walk over her, mm. you know, about how the story should be portrayed. Mm. And she stood her ground. And because of that, it became what it was. I mean, like, you you think about, like, a, a post-stab. These are people who didn't even know who R. Kelly was. Right, right, right. And to be honest, Buna Murray thought that this was just going to be a one-off thing on Lifetime that was going to go away. Right, right. They had no idea. And I told, I told one of my coworkers, I told one of my fellow um, female editors, I was like, it's gonna, one of two things is going to happen. Either this is going to blow up and it's going to be like Emmy nominated and it's yeah. going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. A black Twitter is going to tear this apart. Right. Like yeah. That's, there's that's only two things that are going to happen. <laughs> only one or two mm-hmm. things is going to happen. But uh, from their perspective, they're not even in that world. They don't know it they're at not all. Even, they don't even know what they up against. They don't right. even know. <laughs> they have no idea. Right. And after it came out, they all said they sent us all an email and they were like we had no idea mm. they thought it was going to be like a making bobby brown right right, right, right they right, thought it was right. going to be like a unsung yeah, or, yeah. they thought it was just going to be like oh we might get some good ratings but this is not really who the fuck is this who mm-hmm, cares yada mm-hmm. yada yada turns out a lot of people care hi it's anya and you're listening to sister brunch stay tuned we'll be right back Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon, and we are back with Dominique Uloa. You are yet another one of our guests that not only is about the work for yourself, but also about getting other people hired. So yeah. we talk yes. about Post It Up and Ujima yeah. Entertainment. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I am the chair of Ujima Entertainment Coalition. And um, what we are is a 501c3 nonprofit for Black entertainment professionals. And when I say Black entertainment professionals, we are not a group for people of color. We are not an umbrella, all-encompassing situation. This is for Black people. Okay. And we say that because one of our main objectives is to address anti-Blackness. Okay. And where me, you may have a production company, you know, I, I always pose these questions to my white brothers and sisters, you know, if you are on a job or you're looking to fill a position and you get a resume by a girl named Shamika, and if you have a knee-jerk reaction to that, you may be anti-black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, like, that resonates with so many people because it's not necessarily, you know, that people are racist and they, you know, want a segregation and this and this and that. It's a product of living in America. Yeah. It's a product. If you've watched television... Yeah. For the past, you know, however long you've been media along, has this is, you've been anti black. Media is anti black. Anti black. All of it. And yeah. you've yeah. been you've been indoctrinated into this. Sure. And so mm-hmm. it takes a consciousness to un- to, to undo. Yeah. And so it's not about we we're not about you know diversity and inclusion and hiring and everything because I mean black people get hired. We get yeah. hired. It's about the retention and it's about the promotion. Mm. Will season okay. one go on to season two? Mm. Will the assistant become the associate producer? 
Are they going to be bumped up to, you know, regular producer or whatever the case may be? Once they get into this environment or whatever project that they're working on, what kind of environment are they about to be in? The inconvenient truth about working in Hollywood is that most people ain't from Hollywood. This is their first time being in a diverse environment. So they bring all that bullshit with them. Yeah. You can't talk to one black person in the industry without them having a story. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I talk to production companies all the time and I, you know, in meetings and I explain to them, you know, this is my, about microaggressions and anti-blackness and I always hear, Oh no, 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 we would never do anything like that. That's not how, that's not, that's not the people who we hire here. No, 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 no. But I was like, have you heard, have you talked to DeAndre in um, the vault? (laughs) Right. right right do he have a story have you listen to his right it, have it, you yeah. listen have you are you mm-hmm. sure yeah mm-hmm. have you talked to the black people on your staff do you really do you know yeah. you even know if you're doing it mm-hmm. one thing that i always bring up is the word girl mm-hmm. and how <laughs> i love <laughs> you you know jessica and accounting don't mean no harm Right. You know, but all of a sudden, like, I'm your girl. Right. When really, I'm 42 motherfucking years old. <laughs> it's a long time since I've been a girl. Mm-hmm. So now we've established that, A, or your first interaction with me is based on racial stereotypes. Yeah. You don't know if I was adopted in a white family and raised in Minnesota. Right. You don't know if I have if I relate to that you know, a hood culture at all. Yeah. And then we've also set the precedent that you don't have to be as professional with me. Right. That you right. don't have to, you know, that you have this level of comfort with me where mm. we just, girl. Mm. And, and it's really not done in harm. It's it's done in people oh, trying yeah, to relate to you. People try to relate. Oh, yeah, Relate to you. People trying, people trying to, and it's like, what are you going to do? Be angry? Right. But it's like, how do you navigate that? Yeah. And so it's important that we have these conversations. Yes. And so what I do is um, with my with my organization is that I have curated conversations and I get with production companies and I, I get hiring managers and people who are in position to hire and I curate members and we get together on the Zoom. That's fantastic. And we talk for two hours. Okay. This is relationship building yeah. with Listening. your peers. Yeah. You're being opened up to a whole new talent pool that you didn't even know about. Yeah. And so this is an opportunity for you to make your your content better. Yeah. Yep. And your businesses run more smoothly. Yeah. And so this is just really you're making new friends. That's all it is. Yeah. You're just making new friends. And so that's what we do and like we uh, like 2019 we estimated that we posted 1500 jobs. Wow. Um, we have 1,200 members internationally. Most of them are in Los Angeles and New York, but yes. um, we have members in UK, Africa, Caribbean, and Australia. Our membership is referral only. So someone needs to bring you in. Got and you. It's, you're not you're not joining Posted Up, you're joining Ujima. Which you're is joining, not, not uh, just for editors, it's for everyone in the industry. It's for everyone. It's from showrunners down to PAs. That's awesome. It's for everyone. Are and, you still and, running Posted Up? Just, only because I also think there's a lot to be said for filtering out positions so like it so with the inclusion writer we get you know people like oh how do i find you know a line producer and Mm -hmm. so i like to also be able to have a specific place for them to go where they know so are you still running posted up on yes yes there it's all it's all interconnected and so all all of our official stuff though is ujima what we've done is created a safe space for black people to be themselves here's the thing like we are far away from any type of atonement or reparations <laughs> or anything that the United States is about to do for us. Mm-hmm. And in lieu of that, we need to help each other. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, while you waiting Amen. for these reparations, let's start paying them to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's what we try to do. We try to make it easier 
for you as a black entertainment professional to get put on. One thing I will say about editing and like being in the entertainment business in Hollywood and everything else like that, my career didn't start taking off really until I started helping other people too. Okay. Yeah. When I started yeah. helping other yeah. when I started helping other people, that's when my career took off like no a skyrocket. No doubt. Um and I see like a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time and get frustrated and like don't you know you're not making the progress that you wanted to make and you have a big uh, uh, uh you know some big wins over here but it's far and few between uh, ask yourself like well, what are you doing to help other people yeah okay like, how, yes. yeah how are you contributing because a lot of people like just want to be on themselves you know they got the gig right. they got two or three people that they trust that's it. They don't really help other, and especially if you're a black person, you got put on. You don't want too many black people there because mm. you know they may you not be the they special may not, one. You want to be the special. You want to be the only. <laughs> right. Yeah, like maybe your career would be a lot further if you would help somebody. Yeah. What that's a freaking a great note. note to end on! Like uh, that's yeah, amazing. <laughs> absolutely, that's it. You Listen, got the, in order for you to work. You gotta help other people work. <laughs> Yeah, and right, and, exactly. and I'll just say in wrapping up too how important it is to have you on a guest because one we haven't had a, an editor yet and it's so it's so important and two that you're a mom and yeah. um, and that you know we haven't talked about that on this podcast and obviously since this is women and um, that's going to be a part of our lives and so mm-hmm. we, we yeah. just are so grateful to you Dominique thank you That was our conversation with Dominique Loa. Go to sisterbrunch.com to learn more about her work and how to keep up with her on all the socials. And thank you so much for listening to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox, and Anya Adams. Follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast and on Twitter at Sister Brunch to catch up with us, find out what we're watching, who we're talking to, support the work of all of our amazing Black Women Plus guests. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. And please, please, please help us out by subscribing and rating and sharing and reviewing our show wherever you get your podcasts. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Christabel Nsiabwadi. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles and for the Coast Salish for Anya in Vancouver. Tune in next time.